It was under the dusty dirt of the wild, wild west that gold called men out to find their treasure. It was an uncle of R.U. Darby that was caught by gold fever in those gold rush days and went west to dig and grow rich. He had never heard that more gold had been mined from the brains of men that had ever been taken from the earth. So he took a claim and he went to work with pick and shovel. The going was hard, but the lust for gold was definite. After weeks of labor, he was rewarded by the discovery of the shining ore. He needed machine to bring more of it to the surface, and so quietly he covered up the mine and he retraced his footsteps to his little home in Williamsburg, Maryland. He talked to his relatives and a few neighbors and told them of the strike. And they got together money for the needed machinery and purchased it, had it shipped, and the uncle and R.U. Darby went back to work the mine. The first car of ore was brought to the surface and shipped to the smelter, and the returns proved that they had one of the richest mines in Colorado, and a few more cars of that ore would clear the debts, and then would come the big profits. So down went the drills, and up went the hopes of Darby and his uncle higher and higher, and anticipation and expectation ruled the day. There was all kinds of celebrating going on, but then, much to their dismay, something happened. The vein of gold disappeared. Whatever that was at the end of that rainbow had suddenly dried up. The pot that had been so evidently there was no longer in sight. So they drilled on. Desperately, they tried to pick up that vein again. Over and over, down went the drills, but up came no gold. Their hopes went down further and down, and finally, they were working for nothing. They couldn't make ends meet, and they decided to quit. It was at that season of difficulty that they made the decision, here is where we're going to stop. We've got nothing left, no hope. The opportunity was no longer in sight, and so... All of their optimism went out the window. They sold the machinery to a man for scrap junk and just a few hundred dollars. Gave them the money to take the train back home. Back home. Have you ever been in a season of life where everything indicated that it was just time to stop? You may as well quit sometimes what someone tells somebody. You, you may as well stop now. It's just a waste of time. Anyone ever heard that before? They're, you're just wasting your time. The, the opportunity is no longer available. And, and so it was in that season that these men found themselves. And so home they went. I, I opened with that little story because we've all found ourselves in seasons like that. We've all found ourselves when everything seemed to finish and dry up. It seemed uh, so profitable. It seemed so promising. It seemed like the future was so bright. And then discouragement came along. Disappointment ruled the day. The lack of motivation moved in where celebration had been. And we find ourselves arrested by circumstances that life brings to us. It's not uncommon. 
It's not uncommon for us no longer to be able to see the opportunity. It's, no, it's not uncommon for us to get to a season where we don't know where to turn and we just stop and we don't know what to do. Israel found themselves in a season like that. It was when they came to the perimeter of the promised land. They hadn't intended on the conflict that they had already walked through. They could see the hills of the promise in the distance. They had traveled this far for this reason. They were on the border of their divine destination. God had already told them what to anticipate and what to look for. And now there they were right on the border. We know the story. It's nothing new. Moses sends in 12 spies to scout out the land. And the report is favorable except for some walled cities to conquer. Some enemies to defeat. Some struggles that were there along the way. They came back and the report was wonderful. It was all about what was available. But in Numbers 14, 28, it said, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. From every angle that they could see, the promise was theirs. From every indication, what God had said could, they would contain in their own treasury was available to them. It was all right there on the horizon, but it seemed like there was no place without any challenge or struggle. It seemed like if they went to the north, the enemy was there. And it seemed like if they went to the south, they would find them there on the shores. They would, they would just, it seemed like everywhere that the, the spies went, they said no matter where we turned, there was an enemy there to fight. There was walled cities. Nothing was going to be easy. And, and the Bible tells us that the spies with their negative report turned the heart of the children of Israel around. They found themselves in that season where they couldn't go forward. The discouragement was too great. The disappointment held them back from what God had promised them. The stories like that stay in the Bible because they never seem to go away. Stories like that stay in Scripture because God wants us to know that there is a reason for the season that we walk into. But it's not to stay put. I just came with a simple word for us at the beginning of this year that God intends for us to move forward. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks because here's what I know. God never intends for us to stand still. The walk with God is exactly that, a walk. It's not a stand with God. God intends for us to move into the purpose that he has available for us. So the courage that we need finds itself in scripture and we've got to pull it out and bring it into our current reality so we don't stop, but we walk into the purpose that God has for us. It's time to move forward. And we've been fasting. We talked a little bit last week about what God does through the power of fasting. There are some things that we'll never defeat until we allow fasting to become a part of our reality. I, I thank you. I genuinely am grateful for so many of you that set something aside this week for this season of sacrifice. Because something happened in the supernatural this week. You may not have seen it. 
but we felt it. We may not be walking into it yet, but here's what I know. God is paving the way. There's some enemies that are being destroyed that we may not even be able to see, but God is making a way in the middle of no way for us because someone took some time to pray, because somebody took some time to fast. This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. And as you prayed and as you fasted, God has kicked down the door of some of the walled cities that we're going to walk into in 2023. God has pushed back the enemy that kind of wanted to confront us in 2023. Here's what I know that something happened when we fasted and prayed. That kind went out by prayer and by fasting. There's some liberty that we're experiencing because that kind went out. There's some victory that we're going to walk into because that kind went out. It goes out by prayer and fasting. I I just want to celebrate for a moment this morning that God is the God of victory, that God is the God of triumph. He's still on the throne. He's still king of kings and he's still lord of lords god's gonna give us everything that he promised us everything in the book is mine every healing every deliverance every miracle i'm standing on it i'm declaring it i see it on the horizon but we will get it if we walk into it someone say i'm going forward i'm going forward Those Amorites are going to be on the mountains and the Canaanites, they're going to be at the sea. They're going to be there. If you took a few moments and you did just a little study, you'd find that the Amalekites, Amalek was the 13th son from Esau. He never got over what his father lost. And he was determined that he was going to fight Israel to the very end. Amalek is always determined every time to fight Israel. Israel in scripture. They never come alongside. Never one time are they an ally. Never one time do they just stand back or stand down. Every time in scripture, Amalek comes to the forefront and they fight. Can I just remind us that we're going to have some, 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 some enemies in the supernatural realm that never stand down? Can I just remind us that that we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God because God knows that there's going to be some enemies that we're going to fight every single day. There's going to be some war that's going to be fought. It's never going to be complete. God's just going to allow us to continue walking into that war. So don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Keep on moving forward. It's time to move into the purpose and the promise that God has prepared for us. It was Amalek. It was the Hittites 50 times in scripture. It was the Hittites that Abraham had to buy Sarah's burial plot. He had, he had to go to them and in that unpredictable plan that he had. He, he didn't intend to have to go to the Hittites and say, look, could I buy that plot of land to bury my wife? I, he had to bury that that promise that God had given to him. He had to bury the future that God had given to him. He had to walk in that season of grieving and and he had to go to the Hittites. He had to go to the enemy and say, look, would you sell me that plot of land? Would you sell me that cave? Would you you give me that burial plot for my wife? It was the Hittites. They they worshipped nature. It was earth and sky and it was weather and it was all kinds of things in the natural realm. That, That enemy was there in the promised land for them to engage in and and I'm just I'm just kind of defining them for a moment this morning because because I want to remind us that maybe those Hittites are no longer with us but their spirit is still very much alive the enemy is still at work in our world there's uh, you know okay I'm I'm all for animal rights I love dogs don't love cats <laughs> So 
sorry. I know. I just heard someone just, just express their disapproval. <laughs> just need someone on my corner. Just someone as vocal as no. <laughs> but there's this whole push in, in our world for this, for <clears throat> nature to become equivalent and equal to humanity. And it's not. Animals are not on the same playing field as people. Trees don't equal humanity. I, you know, don't, don't disregard the fact that God told us to govern very carefully what he gave us. Uh, I'm not disregarding that. I, I'm not saying that we just kind of throw caution to the wind. I'm, I understand. But, but sometimes the, <clears throat> the world can become so focused on some minor element that we forget about the major part of humanity. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the politics of that. But I'm just saying it's something. It's the, the, the spirit of the Hittites is still alive in the world today. It was the Jebusites. They were... The enemies that chose to inhabit Jerusalem, they were the opposition to the authentic. They represent everything that the enemy has stolen from us. The Jebusites were there in the land. They could have moved anywhere. Why would they pick the rocky crag of Jerusalem? Why would they choose that mountaintop? Why would they choose the spot that was difficult to traverse to? Why would they choose the place that God chose to put his name? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy will always try and steal what is rightfully yours. And you're going to have to determine in your spirit that whatever the enemy has stolen from you, it's your right to take it back. It's your right to look the enemy square in the eye and say, it's mine and I'm coming after it. It's mine and it's... Come on, God designed it for me. God planned it for me. It's all right to tell the enemy in 2023, I'm coming after what you stole from me. I'm, uh, come on, I'm taking the word at its word. I'm taking the promise that I'm able to recover all. I'm taking the promise in my heart that I'm able to restore what the enemy has taken away. I just want someone to realize if the enemy took it, it's time for God to give it back. It's yours. It's yours. The enemy may have taken it. The Jebusites may be holding it hostage in the promised land but it's time for someone to shake themselves on the border of your own inheritance of 2023 and say I'm going in I'm going after it it's mine someone you just gotta let the devil know give it back give it back the Jebusites the Amorites were the people that had established Babylon as their capital city Babylon represents division and separation and destruction. Babylon represents everything that God pushed down, pressed back. That's what, that's what Babylon represents. It represents that spirit of divisiveness. It, it represents that separation. It represents that. And, and there's all kinds of ways that the enemy would desire to bring division and separation. But God's intention is that we be a people that are unified and connected Shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, heart to heart. We don't need division ruling the day. We don't need separation. We don't need anyone calling our brother down. We don't need to, to kind of push someone down so we can push ourselves up. That's, that's, that's the enemy territory. That's, that's the enemy's job. That's, the, that's what the enemy would desire to do to the church. That's, so no wonder when Israel came to the border of their inheritance, they were just frustrated. 
Isn't God supposed to take care of all that? That would never rise up in the church, would it? That would never rise up as, as a fight that we've got to fight. Is that something that we, it was the Canaanites that were still there. Canaanites were the Baal worshipers. It was all kinds of those enemies that, that Israel knew exactly what every one of them represented. And so when they came to the border of the inheritance and they awaited the spies' report, when the spies came back, they said, well, there's, look at, look at the grapes and look at the, the product of the land of the promise and look at the milk and flows with honey. Come on, just mm, incredible. But then they begin to name all of the enemies in the north and in the south and in the east and in the west. And all of a sudden, Israel's just like, mm, no way. Don't want to go there. Don't want to do that. But could I just remind you that God's promise always needs us to prove ourselves. God, God's promise doesn't come without a struggle. God's promise doesn't come without the desire somebody, sometime for us just to look at it and say, well, let, let's just stay back. God say, no, 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 we're going to press in. And, and that's why it's the simple message of let's move forward. Because we know what's in the heart of each of us. It's what Israel did in, in Numbers. They said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. When they looked at all the enemies that were in the land, they said, you know what? Let's make a captain and let us return to Egypt. I, I know that that can get in our spirit sometime. But you got to shake your head. We... We have the, the opportunity to look at that suggestion from this vantage point thousands of years later. But I would remind us that humanity hasn't changed a lot in a few thousand years. The idea that they would return to bondage. The idea that they would say, let's, let's get a captain together and let us return to Egypt. That seems, that seems a, a bit extreme, doesn't it? But it's always there in our spirit sometimes that when things are difficult and when the journey gets rough and the enemies don't seem to be lacking at all, everywhere we turn, there seems to be another fight that has to be had. It's easy sometimes to say, well, I may as well just go back to Egypt because in Egypt, it may have been the taskmaster's whip, but at least I knew where I was sleeping that night. They needed us. They, they, they allowed us to work. They just, they just kind of left us alone when the job was done. And, and I just kind of go back to that little four-by-four four cubicle. I just go back to that little hut. I'll just go back to that little house. And, and let's just kind of appoint a captain and let's go back to Egypt. Anybody ever kind of felt there? I, I came with a message this morning to tell somebody it's not your season to return back to Egypt. Egypt. It's your time to stand and look the enemy square in the face because God is preparing to give you a victory. It's not time to go back. It's not time to travel back the way that you came. It's time to walk into the promised land that God has prepared for us. I don't know what that journey would have looked like, but, but here's what I do know. I know it would have been strange. I know, I don't know how far they would have gone, but when they got that captain before them and they began to journey back into that wilderness that they had just come through, I, began, I believe that they would have began to remember, you know, I don't see the pillar of cloud in the middle of the day right now. I, I don't know if this is the way that we're supposed to be going. When, when they got into the night season and the sky was dark and there was no pillar of fire that was there to give them guidance, 
guidance. I, I'm pretty sure that in that moment they would have said, I think we're going the wrong way. I think that as they began that journey back to Egypt, they would have looked at the wilderness floor and said, hey, hey, do you remember when this was covered with quail every morning? Do you remember when God provided? Do you remember? I'll tell you what. When you make up in your mind that you're going to go back to Egypt, you're going to have to crawl over a few things that God has already done for you before he'll let you make the journey back into bondage. God is going to put some things in your path. You're going to have to look and say, hey, do you remember when the quail fell in? Do you remember when the manna fell? We got real hungry, but all of a sudden God made a way in the middle of no way. I tell you what you've got to do when you get the idea in your mind that you're going to go back just begin to remember how God has brought you thus far just begin to remember how God brought you into this place just begin to remember because if you just remember then you will be able to make the journey back Come on, someone just remember when God was the pillar of cloud that showed up when you didn't know what to do. God never intended for you to go back. He's got a promise waiting for you. Hey, do you remember when, when the water came from the rock? Hey, do you remember when we were in that bitter water season in Merah and God turned the bitter water sweet? Do you remember Horeb? Do you remember what God did? Do you remember? I just would like to take a moment this morning and remember what God has done come on take a moment take a moment and remember walk in your mind all the way back you may get all the way to the Red Sea but I tell you when you get to the Red Sea to go back to Egypt the waters aren't going to part for you you're not going to be able to go through you're going to have to try and find a way over you're going to have to try and find God's going to put some roadblocks in your path God's going to stop you on your attempt to go back into the world. I'll tell you why. That's how much God loves you. God never intends for you to look back. God never intends for you to turn around. God doesn't intend for you to go back. And if you did, if you did make your way all the way back over, oh, come on, through the wilderness. If you got all the way back over the Red Sea, if you got all the way back to that little hut that you used to live in, if you got all the way back there, I tell you what, before you stepped over the threshold back into bondage, you're going to have to look to the left and you're going to have to look to the right. You're going to have to take a look up and look at the blood that covered the threshold. You're going to have to turn around and say, I still got my firstborn because God was with me. God God brought me out not to come back to this. God brought me out so I could walk into what he had for me. It's not time to turn around. It's not time to go back. It's time to go forward. What a lie. What a lie the enemy speaks in our ear, tries to make us believe that we're supposed to go back to that place of bondage. It's not for us. Get your captain together. Get your group together. But I believe that God's going to put roadblocks in your path because he never intends for us to go back. God only intends for us 
to move forward. Don't go back to what brought God brought you out of. I understand we, we're living in a, a generation that knows little about war and the natural, my included. But that can translate into the supernatural where, we've be, where we begin to believe or think that there's never supposed to be war. Conflict doesn't mean you've been forsaken. Conflict doesn't mean that you've been forgotten. Conflict is so that you will know that God is a God of victory. That's why conflict comes in your life. Because God is going to show up and you're going to be triumphant. And the enemy is going to be defeated. And you're going to be able to look back and say, look what God has done yet again. Look how God made a way in the wilderness. Look how God made a way in the promised land. We don't have time to go through the entire five books of the New Old Testament, the first five books. But if I could just remind us this morning, all of those enemies that the spies spoke of, yes, it was 40 years later. Yes, it was Joshua and Caleb that walked in, but they walked in declaring victory in the face of the enemy. And they go into that promised land. And then all of those enemies that, that, the, <clears throat> that all the spies had declared were so great become defeated. Joshua defeats the Amorites, but he's going to have to move forward. God, God's not going to let him go backwards. God's going to require Joshua to move in. And, and God is so willing to give him the triumph that he hears the cry of the warrior when the sun is setting. Stop, sun over Gibeon. Halt, moon over Agilon. And that day, God gives the Amorites up, and they are defeated. Why? So Israel can walk in and say, ah, now I see why God allowed them to still be here. Now I know why they were still in this location. Now I know why they were still in the promised land because part of the promise is a promise of victory fast forward David defeats the Jebusites but he had to move forward they told him you aren't able to come up here David David refuses them and challenges his men he said the first man up the wall gets to become the captain and Joab goes up and Israel goes in and defeats the Jebusites in Jerusalem, becomes theirs. Why? Because God wanted them to know that he was the God of victory. <laughs> Gideon is going to go in and cast down the altar of Baal that his own father has erected. God's going to give Gideon a mighty victory over the enemy in his public life and his private life. Midian's going to be defeated, but it happens after Gideon goes in and throws down the altar of Baal. Baal's going to become defeated. Am Amalekites is, 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 are still there in the land, and, and it's the enemy that God allows to come to Israel. It says that Amalek came and they fought with Israel and Rephidim. If you were to go back to Exodus, they've been an enemy that's been on the scene over and over and over again. So before Israel even gets into the promised land, they've, they've had to fight Amalek, and here's why. Amalek comes, and they see this wandering band in the wilderness, and they attack them when they are defenseless. They don't have any weapons of war. They've just come out of Egypt. And God never forgets it. He said that, <clears throat> that he is going to hold Amalek accountable because of what they did. And Joshua, he fights that fight, and, and <clears throat> the Bible tells us, that, that Moses, he goes up on the mountain and as Joshua is fighting with Amalek, Aaron and her, they go up because when Moses' hands drop, the battle runs in the favor of Amalek. And then when Moses' hands rise up, rod of God in his hand, 
then the battle moves in favor of Israel. And finally, they do the math. They say, you know, when, when Moses hands up, then Israel's winning. And, and so they go up and they get a seat and they set it under Moses and they get someone on each side and, and they begin to see the victory that God has in store. And it's after that victory that God gives the word to Moses. God gives the word to Moses and he, and he tells them, he, God says, write this as a memorial in a book in verse 14. And he said, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Why? Because God knew that Joshua was going to fight Amalek inside the promised land. He said, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Don't let him forget it. Don't let him forget this day. Don't let him forget the fact that, that when Moses' hands was up, victory was being won. But when his hands were down, victory was, was being lost. And, and he said, don't let him forget it. Rehearse it. Write it in the book and, and then rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Don't let him forget it. And it would seem to us, and because if you read back down through verse 15, it said Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, verse 16, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And it would seem that the other enemies are going to be defeated, but Amalek is going to be constantly at war with Israel. That's why Saul was <clears throat> given the task of defeating all the Amalek, Amalekites, but he allows just a little life, just a little bit to stay alive. And, and Samuel said, if you had utterly consumed them, then would Amalek have been out of the way. But God's going to take care of the Amalekites, but for some reason, God's going to allow it to continue in our lives, in our spiritual journey God's going to allow the enemy to come and sometimes when we see that the first thing that we want to do is say I'm finished that's it I'm going back where's my captain where's my captain I'm heading back to Egypt but that's not what we're supposed to do we're supposed to realize and recognize that there's not only spiritual precedent that we will have victory, but there's spiritual principle that we need to apply. In other words, we need to hold one another's arms up. We need to hold up one another's hands. We need to be sure that we're not walking the journey together, that we're not discouraged all by ourselves, that someone comes alongside and say, hey, I see the battle you're fighting right now, but I'm not going to let you fight it alone. I know what you've been facing right now, but I don't want you to walk this by yourself. I, I, I just want to come along alongside and I know that you're fighting this by yourself but I'm going to come along because we're going to experience some victory together I'm going to hold your hand up until I see things begin to shift I, I'm going to hold your arm up until the battle gets turned around I, I know the enemy's coming like a flood but the spirit of the Lord is lifting up a standard against him so we're not going to do this by ourselves we're going to fight this war together and God allows the enemy to still be in our midst because he knows we're going to beat him together I tell you what I need every one of you for this battle that God has placed us in but you need everybody else that's in this room with us if Amalek was going to be the battle that continued from generation to generation then God needs us to determine that we are going to fight together. Would you lift both hands and just determine right now? Come on, with, with all of the determination that you've got, that you're not going to do this by yourself, 
Come on, that you're not going to let someone struggle by themselves. Bear you one another's burdens. Come on, that's when we fulfill the law of Christ. Come on, just pray into that for a moment. Come on, reach out. It's all right. Spirit of God, move. Victory, victory after victory was realized when Israel realized that the promised land was theirs but it required a battle to fight. We can go back to the music this morning. Our text for the last few weeks has been found in Philippians 3 verse 12 to 14. It speaks this, not as though I had already attained either, we're already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, which also I am apprehended of. He said, if I, if I could just get a hold of Christ the way Christ got a hold of me. If I could just reach and not let go. The way that God reached and got a hold of me, if I could reach for him that way. Then you're going in the right direction. Verse 13 says, brethren, Paul said, I, I count not myself to have apprehended. I didn't get it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Would everyone say before? Before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. There's a pressing that we need in our spirit. Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind and pressing to the things that are before. The things that are before and the things that are behind are the conflict that we face in the Christian walk. It's too, it's something that we're reaching for and something that we're moving from. If you looked at the word press, you would find that comes from root word from dioko it means it means to pursue to pursue to the point where you are literally persecuted persecution annoying pressing not quitting determined not to stop someone say pursue pursuing 
And so we get that because we know what it's like to pursue. We know what it's like to have a dream on the horizon and say, if I'm going to get there from here, here's what I've got to do. We know what it's like to pursue, but this word has a second meaning attached to it. It means to pursue, but at the same time, it means to run from. And so Paul picked this word because it was the perfect word for him to use. I press toward mark I press towards the prize I press towards the promise and and Paul used that word because he knew that in the ear of his hearers they understood not only is it running toward but it's at the same time you're running from you're running from something into what God has for you and and sometimes we can't look at what we talked about Lot's wife we can't turn around we don't want to go back to we don't want to go back to Egypt we don't want to we want to run from it and so Paul picked that word because he, he just, it was the picture he needed. Something that you're running from. I, I tell you what, we've all got to run from the past. Don't, aren't you glad that God gives us an opportunity to get away from what was? Are you glad that God gives us the opportunity to move away? We don't have to sit and wallow in what we've done. But God said, here's what we can do. We can move into what he has prepared for us. So it's that word to say that, that I'm pursuing, but at the same time, I'm running from. I'm following after. I'm giving myself to. I'm pressing in to the promise that God has for me. Forgetting the things that are behind. God gives us the right and the responsibility to forget the things that are behind. But sometimes the problem is we can't or we don't want to forget the things that are behind. Here's why. Because sometimes the things that are behind are the perfect excuse for us to stay put. Sometimes the things that are behind, it's, it's something that happened to me. It's some, and believe me, we're, we believe in justice. We want justice. We absolutely do. We, we want that. But, but sometimes there's some things in our past that hold us captive and hostage in our present. And God said, if we're going to move forward, you've got to run from some things in your past into the promise that I've prepared for you promise and the challenge is is for us to be willing to move forward fast forward press that that isn't just kind of a quiet little journey that that fast forward means running with everything you got moving with everything that you have every bit of ability all of your mental acuity all of your physical ability moving into what God has for you God said that's how you press into the promise with everything that you have it's too easy to quit, but there's too much at stake. We don't want to miss what God has prepared for us. We don't want to be Darby and, Darby and his uncle. We don't want to be those people. You know, it was the junk man that they sold the equipment to. He wasn't some dumb guy. He heard the story. He had understood the claim. He he had an idea about what those men were facing and so he called in the help of a mining engineer and they began to do some calculations. They did some test drilling. The engineer advised that the project was not finished. It had failed because the owners, the previous owners, were not familiar with the fault lines and what they thought was the finish was actually a fault. It was just an interruption. It was, it was uh, a gap. It, was, it, it wasn't, didn't mean that that it was done didn't mean that it had dried up 
but there was just a gap. There was a place where you had to go with nothing to go on. It, it meant that they had to step out in faith and continue on in spite of what was coming up empty. The, 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 the drilling that was coming up without any residue of gold, without any promise of the future. It didn't mean that it was finished. It meant that there was a fault line in that location. And, and if they had just continued, as a matter of fact, when, when they continued the drilling a little bit further on, they found that the gold vein was still there. And, and the guy that bought junk all of a sudden became a multi-millionaire because he was willing to go a little further. He was willing to go forward. He, he wasn't finished. He had some hope that somebody had lost along the way. And, and just three feet from where Darby had stopped drilling was exactly where the vein picked back up and the promise continued. The man that bought junk all of a sudden became one of the wealthiest in the horizon. And you can take that story and we can all learn from it. Someone say, I'm carrying on. I'm not finished. I feel a little Holy Ghost right there. Someone just say, God's not done yet. God's not finished. But you know, it was also Mr. Darby who took the lesson from what he had lost. That man that bought his junk was now rich, but Darby was determined that he wasn't going to quit. He didn't go back into gold, but he did decide to become a salesman selling life insurance, and he never took no for an answer. And the fortune that he missed on the gold vein became his because he transferred it into his focus in his business life. Now we are not here to push businesses, and, but we are here to tell someone it's not time to finish the course yet. It's not time. This is not where we stop and sit down and wait for Jesus to come. This is where God says, come on, CCC. Come on, man of God. Come on, woman of God. Come on, daughter of God. It's time to go into the promise that I have prepared for you. I, I wish that someone, maybe you have had a setback. Maybe you have had a step back in 2022 or earlier. But here's what I know. God's telling someone, it's time to move forward. It's time to fast forward into 2023 because I know the plans that I have for you saith the Lord it's come on it's a plan to prosper you it's a plan of promise it's a plan that God has on the horizon it's not time to quit it's time to go in it's time to pray like we've never prayed before it's time to believe God for a miracle that we've yet to see it's time to believe God for healing to happen in our midst it's it's time it's time it's it's time to walk into what God has promised us I'm moving forward I'm moving forward in spite of all of the enemies that seem to surround us. I'm moving forward in spite of my past challenges. I'm pressing in. I'm pre pressing in. I'm running from that thing in my past, but I'm running to the thing that God has in my future. I'm moving forward. Would you stand together with me this morning? Come on, we, we all feel like Paul this morning, not as though I had already attained either we're already perfect but I follow after I I wish it would just sink very deep in someone's spirit right now I'm I'm not going backward I'm not going back I'm moving forward 
I'm moving forward because God's calling. I hear his call. I'm moving forward because the voice of the Spirit is challenging me. I, I'm moving forward because God has a plan designed for my life. I'm here by divine appointment. I'm here because God has me exactly where he wants me. I've fought some battles, yeah, but God's not done with me. I'm going forward. Come on, I wish someone would just shout fast forward with me this morning. Fast forward. Fast forward. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This morning, I believe that God has given someone the right and the responsibility to move out of what your past was into what his promise is. God gives us direct instruction in scripture how to do that. Repentance is when you turn around. If you're heading the wrong way, let me tell you what turns you around. Repent. Repentance turns you around. When you're heading back to Egypt, repentance gets you back on track. When you're heading back, come on, when you're heading back to what God has already brought you out of, repentance turns you around and puts you on the roadway to promise. That's what repentance is. Repentance is saying, God, I'm turning my life around. Baptism is the next step. Maybe you've already repented, but baptism is your next step. Baptism is when we go down in a watery grave of baptism and we rise to walk in newness of life and we're able to forget the things that are behind. Why? Because God put them in the sea of forgetfulness. If God can forget about them, guess what? No one else has a right to bring it back up. If God forgets about it, then no one else has the right to hold you accountable to it. You can leave sin in the past and move into the promise that God has for you. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. The prize. The prize there is the Holy Ghost. The Bible calls it the earnest of our inheritance. It's, it's a little bit of heaven on earth. It's His Spirit that God is willing to place in our lives. All of that is ours. But none of it is realized if we're heading back to Egypt. It all becomes ours when we decide to walk the plan of salvation that God has for us. Oh, would someone just lift your hands one more time? I'm going to invite you to come to the altar in a moment. We're going to pray together. God's going to move some folks fast forward into 2023. God's going to do a quick work. God's going to do a season where the latter and the former rain come down together. God's going to do something in the end times that, that's multiplied. It's beyond the scope of what we intend. God's going to do that work in the end time. But I wish someone would just determine right now, God, I'm going forward. Come on, it could be as simple as moving forward in this service, but you're moving forward toward this altar, but it's a, a determination in your spirit. I'm going forward into what God has for me today. Lord, I pray that courage would be in this room. God, we defy the lies of the enemy. We deny the right that he has to speak over anyone's life in this room. God, I pray that someone would determine today. God, let a spark of hope rise up in someone's spirit that the promised land is theirs. It's theirs today. But someone just let the Holy Ghost begin to work in your life. We're going to begin to sing, but I'm opening this altar. I wish someone would just make their way. Come on, I'm coming. I'm coming, Pastor Jack. I'm coming because I don't want to go back.